Tonight we're doing a three-hour Christmas special on Metal Sharpens Metal, and uh, I'm just getting set up here. I've been up here for about an hour, and I had to get some things queued up. But uh, we have Glenn Remsen, Lithos Cry, uh, Raven's Heart, and he's from South Carolina, Charleston. He's been a guest on our show many times. He is hosting uh, Get Revelation Rock Fest in Charleston, South Carolina at the Hanahan Amphitheater. I believe it's yeah. May May 14th. Glenn, tell us a little bit more about that, because I forgot to put my headphones on. I'm raw right now. <laughs> That's okay. I'll take it. I'll take it from here. Here on the other side of the Mason Dixon line. Yeah. So, <laughs> Revelation Rock Fest 2022. Hey, um, if people are looking for great stocking stuffers right now, we got some Black Friday Christmas deals for them. Oh, great. $10 for general admission tickets. We got some VIP packages where you can come and hang out with the artists too. Excellent. Some deals on that. You can go to lithoscry.com. That's L I T H O S C R Y.com to grab those tickets, make great stuff stuffers we are ready to roll with this event we've got a total of 11 bands lined up Rick. wow you believe that yeah that's that's really serious you guys are solid on this so um we are gathered for a, a christmas special tonight for three hours man Whoa, yes. <laughs> you were insane. When you got a hold, I was like, man, this is great. We were working it out, the details. We were talking about a couple hours, and all of a sudden, you chimed in last minute a day or two ago and said, hey, you know what? I'm up for three hours on it. I was like, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I started, I started doing the prep, and I was like, oh, my goodness, there's just so much good Christmas music out there that a lot of people might not have heard. Because you, you, you know the way it is on basic commercial radio a lot of times. You just yeah. hear the same thing over and over and over again. And dude, I remember growing up, you know, and you probably remember the same thing because we grew up in the same part of the United States. Yeah. When Christmas music came out, yeah, they'd play White Christmas and all that stuff. And I, I like those songs, but you know, the real meaty ones, like the first Noel, Silent Night, that would all be mixed in there. And today when you listen to most radio, it's it's not there. Exactly. It's gone. Right. And it's like, what happened? Like, do they spin quite a bit of Christmas music now down in uh, South Carolina or not really? They do. As a matter of fact, they started three or four days. They started after Halloween. So it, okay. it started already. And I got excited the... Uh, the first couple songs, and I was like, oh, man, Joy to the World, I really like that one. Yep. That's, that's a really good one. And then I think it went to Last Christmas by Wham. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh. For me, we talked about that is the my most least like. I mean, I don't even like it, so I, I don't even consider it a Christmas song. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't either. You know, I, I went from eating a porterhouse steak to one of those red nasty hot dogs that you get for like you know 50 cents or something <laughs> like that so i was back to the rock station you know that's one of the things that i really enjoyed growing up as a kid and i was not a believer right. when i was growing up sure. i was very religious but i mean i really enjoyed and i felt a different connection with the lord when they played you know the really meaty christmas songs like right. what child is this yes Angels We Have Heard on High, yes. Little Town of Bethlehem. Those are all some of my favorites when I was growing up. And I used to even go on rants with my parents about Christmas songs like Pretty Paper, Pretty yes. Ribbons. And it's like, what's that got to do with anything? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, a song that I used to not like at all, like Zero, because I was like, what's that got to do with Christmas? I mean, it kind of did, but it was that one, uh, Home for the Holidays. The one that goes, uh, I'm met a man down in Tennessee was oh, yeah. to, you know, something about Pennsylvania Ave and, and turkey and homemade pumpkin pie and um, whatever. I was like, you know, what is this? But now I just love the, the it's a quite a cool built song. I really like that one now. You know, it's amazing how your taste grows. And I did enjoy that one as a kid because 
just thinking about the holidays and Thanksgiving, I really enjoy Thanksgiving. Yes. You know, it, it, and it's much more than I enjoy than just the turkey and the stuffing and everything like that. But yep. it seems like there's a little less pressure with yes. Thanksgiving. True. It's family getting together, being thankful for what you have and, yes. and what God has done yes. and what he's been doing in your life. And it's not about Black Friday um, exactly. and going out and buying all these Christmas presents and everything like that right away. There's a lot of pressure that's involved with the Christmas holiday. Yes, there, there really is, you know, and making points of uh, songs that I used to like, too. I, I used to like more of those. You know, I like some of the, as a child, like some of the fun, up, upbeat stuff, of course. You know, everybody liked Rudolph or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. But I really liked, for some reason, I was really drawn to Silent Night. Um, now, yes. I, I still like it, but I, it's not my favorite anymore. Uh, in word and context, yes, but musically speaking, I just like a lot of other ones now. I'm just like, you know, like Winter Wonderland or um, uh, Chestnuts, you know. And I really like the version of Let It Snow by, um, oh, I just had his name... Aaron Neville. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's just yes. a great smooth song, man. I just and here we are in a metal show talking this stuff, but it, to me, it, it's it's great stuff. And and we're, this is what the show is about tonight. We're going to be spinning classic and modern metal and rock and Christmas songs and versions and some classic stuff too. Glenn, how do you want to start this uh, show off tonight? We just did, I did a prelude. I want to go with what you were just talking about a second ago with Silent Night, because there is one particular version of that song that just absolutely enthralled me when I was in middle school and high school. I always liked Silent Night. I I enjoyed singing that at church. It was just one of those things where when you sang it, the atmosphere just changed when you sang that song. Yes. But I heard it on the radio in the mix of all the other Christmas songs, and it's been one of my favorite versions of it, I think because it's so unique and it's so not churched if you know what i mean it's not not all churched up right it's the one it's the silent night by stevie nicks okay i absolutely love that song this might be my first time hearing it from her because i don't recall hearing her do this one so this is pretty exciting so here we go guys the 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 first uh premiere of uh metal sharpens metal christmas show and uh for three hours with glenn remsen we are and i'm rick andrews and uh we're gonna play silent night by stevie nicks here we go
Wow, that was that was incredible, Glenn. I've never heard that version of that. What a, what a voice. It's just done so beautifully, and there's such heart in it as well. And I think that's really what took me back by that song, is you hear somebody that's not religious just pouring their heart. It, really, it's a form of worship that you hear going on there, I believe. Right. You know, we were built to worship, and you hear that coming out. And yes. Yeah, what a natural, unique voice she has, you know? Yes. Yeah, very, very it's, cool. just, it's just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So, Rick, you've got some Christmas <laughs> stories to share with us. I want the dirt. <laughs> well, it started as a silent night, and then it got a little aggressive. <laughs> How come I'm not surprised with you? <laughs> well, you've heard of talking, talking Heads burning down the house, right, the song? <laughs> <laughs> so so the story goes, this is a true story. So when I was about, I don't know, I might have been like 13 maybe or so, and my sister and I, sometimes we'd on Christmas Eve we'd uh, hang out, well, just a couple times. We didn't always do this, but there was a couple seasons where um, our parents would hang out with uh, family friends. We would all hang out with family friends, and this one particular uh, night we got uh, from the family friends, we got a Monopoly game or whatever. And, um, uh, you know, that was eight o'clock at night, whatever. So anyways, we, we went back home and all that kind of stuff got settled in, uh, crashed out. And, uh, we woke up the next morning. Well, it was like four o'clock in the morning. Right. And we might've been, we might've been a little younger now that I'm thinking of, we were probably about 10, I think now that I'm thinking of it, we knew that we couldn't wake mom and dad up. And, um, uh, because they were like, and if we did, we could only do the stockings and one present, but we knew it was so early because we learned a couple years prior that, uh, we woke them up like we, we got up at like four thirty, and they just got to bed at four fifteen. <laughs> and uh, uh, that was a wild time. So we remembered after that, we had to chill out and wait. So we decided to play Monopoly in, in my bedroom on the floor. And I had this guitar lamp uh, on the wall and I had a straw cowboy hat on the lamp and I never used the lamp. I just, it was just decoration, all that. Well, it was, you know, four thirty in the morning and we had to play Monopoly. So, uh, I fired up the lamp and, uh, we went to town playing Monopoly. All of a sudden I started smelling smoke and looked around and turned <laughs> on the guitar lamp. <laughs> so it wasn't a smelling light, but uh, we got it out without even waking up mom and dad. We were scared. Like we were totally freaked out, but we got it out and, uh, we had quite the rush that morning. <laughs> You, you, you know, Rick, I have to say there is an episode of The Simpsons where Bart burns down the Christmas tree in the house on Christmas morning <laughs> because he got up early. So the, the Simpsons have done it. Uh, the they, Simpsons. They, 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 <laughs> the Simpsons did it. Yes, they started it. They started it. So you got you got some uh, funny stories, too. What's going on? Uh, some grown-up stories, Christmas stories. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Christmas has always been a big deal in my family. My mom would make Christmas cookies. I mean, I'm talking like mega level Christmas cookies. Did she do like the Italian style cookie Christmas cookies too? Those are the, like some of the best, the cherry. She didn't, but we had Italian neighbors who were immigrants oh. who brought us all of oh. that stuff and the hot breadsticks for Christmas. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was just wonderful. I mean, Christmas was a time of massive eating um, yes. for us back then. So my mom would make gingerbread cookies. All right. And I I don't remember this. However, I have the photographic evidence of me actually doing this. <laughs> my, my mom would hang them on the Christmas tree, and I was about two, and she told me, do not touch the gingerbread man. Okay. So I was like, I guess in my thinking, I was like, okay, so I'm not going to touch them. So what I did is I stood at the tree with my hands behind my back, eating the gingerbread man off of the Christmas tree. <laughs> 
Excellent, and, and man. my mom took a picture of it. Yeah, so it was. <laughs> <laughs> so like us when we used to eat the popcorn off the string, the popcorn and the cranberry stuff. Except we hated yeah. the cranberry part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those were the best. And so, what else we got? Let's spend some music. I want to take a little bit more of a deep dive, All and right. I'd like to do some metal Christmas music that's probably going to take some people by surprise. Okay. And this song, actually, every year when I pull it out. It gives me the chill bumps when I listen to it. It's O Come, O Come, Emmanuel by Tarja. Now, okay, what's interesting yeah. about this is Tarja is a Finnish metal singer. She was one of the founding members and the first lead singer for the symphonic metal band Nightwish. Uh-huh. Well, when she left the band, she focused more on her classical concerts. She's put out a few more metal albums, solo metal albums, but her big focus has been Christmas music. Okay. And every year she travels Europe doing Christmas music shows. And if you watch these on YouTube, it'll give you the chill bumps. She's got the full orchestra in the back and everything wow. like that. Really, this is metal that's not metal, but this song, I mean, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is like over 1,200 years old. Right. I mean, this is an ancient, ancient hymn. Right. And it's more of an Advent song in the preparation of the celebration for Jesus for his birth. And this song came off of an album that she put off several years ago. As soon as I found out she was doing it, I bought it. And every track on the album, I just sit and well up in tears. Wow. Because there's such passion in it. And it is what I would put more on the neoclassical side with a mixture of Danny Elfman type orchestration to it, Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Let's do this. Here we go. And uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel by Taria. Is that how it's pronounced, Taria? That's how it's pronounced, yes. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Let's do this. Here we go. Good morning. 
Wow, what an epic version, Glenn. Isn't it? it? When you listen to that, it's not like, hey, I'm Tarya, I'm going to put out a Christmas album and just do this so I have a Christmas album. You know how a lot of artists do that, Rick? That's it's right. Like, Oh yeah, hey, hey, I gotta have a Christmas album too. But yep. the raw passion in this, she's you know, as we were saying, she's not just faking this to make it. No, that's a passion. There, there was feeling in that soul. It was just rich, beautiful. I mean, you know, I, I, this is something that I think the the station should be playing to, along with the other classics and greats. You know, absolutely. I mean, when you listen to that, not only for the construction and the composition of the music and the quality of music, I mean, she is classically trained. I mean, right. you can't get any better than that. But then the message of it, she's singing about Jesus. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that and that's the thing that we've missed out on uh, over the years that, that uh, and again, a lot of the, the hymn-style Christmas songs, when you're growing up and all that kind of stuff, they're kind of like, well, for me, they were kind of darker. So I, I didn't understand the words so much, but they had a darker sound, so I didn't pay attention to much. But then to, you know, look back and reflect, those were some of the most meaningful Christmas songs and the ones that should be <laughs> Christmas songs, yeah. you know? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting that you hit upon the darkness of the Christmas hymns because most of them are written in minor keys. Yep. And if you think about it, you know, you take a look at the Christmas holiday itself and what we're celebrating. Think about this for a minute. There was no prophet that spoke until Jesus was born for, what, 300, 400 years? Yes. Israel was in darkness. They were under governmental oppression yep. of the Roman Empire. Yep. Um, the Roman Empire just kind of let them exist, and, you know, they yep. placated them, basically. Yep. But they were in bondage, and when Jesus came the first time as the Messiah— they were looking for him to overthrow the Roman Empire. I mean, they had just had it yes. at that point in time. So you're talking about a very dark age where you're not hearing the voice of the Lord. There's no prophet speaking. I mean, the mouths were shut. Right. You know? And you listen to the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it really captures that period of time of that anticipation of light in the midst of the darkness. And she really portrays that in that song because you have that very dark orchestration in the background, and then she just opens wide up. It's like, yes. God. Here he is. He, he's here. You know, your your salvation is here. Well, exactly. Um, your freedom's here. The, the, you know, her her voice. So so in her voice was light amongst the darkness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very bright voice. Very clear voice. Yes. Um. You know, and as we were talking, this was a you know it was a mon a monastic hymn. And the monks would sing it in the monasteries and the cathedrals, and the way the cathedrals were built, those were basically acoustically built for singing in a lot of ways. Yes. And I can only imagine what it would have sounded like in a cathedral. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it kind of sounded, you know what it reminded me of? It kind of sounded like partial cathedral and partial, like, valley <laughs> you know yeah like she yeah. was out in the like like you know almost like a viking ship was coming into a valley <laughs> and she was singing you know what i mean it's like wow that's that's incredible it was just epic <laughs> I, I was getting ready that something was going to break loose i was like whoa what's going to go on next that's great man i love it i love it yeah i love that song so rick um what's your what's your favorite christmas movie oh well listen <laughs> You know, now this is, okay, so Elf, okay? Okay, okay. I, I, I love it because it's just, I, I it's funny. I like Will Ferrell movies, uh, funny stuff. Uh, I think it's just a great, fun classic. However, 
Uh, today, I was watching, I was showing my nephew, he's six, and then my uh, the grandbaby, she's about three, um, and uh, almost three, and uh, I figured, you know, I'll tune into this, especially for my nephew, um, and uh, I watched A Christmas Story, and I never really liked that, but now watching it as an adult, I really appreciate it. I was like, that's a really great movie, you know? Um, but yeah, I would probably have to say uh, that's my, my favorite is Elf. How about you, Glenn? Bye-bye, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, buddy. <laughs> Bye, Mr. Narwhal. Yes. Hey, we've got, uh, we've got some people that are listening to us online, and I've got my messenger up. Awesome. And if they want to share their favorite Christmas movies with us, too. Yeah. I like Elf. I, I do have to say Die Hard, because that is considered a Christmas movie with Bruce, Bruce Willis. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yes, that's considered a Christmas movie. Okay. But I... I'd have to say, with Elf, I really like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Well, listen, that's a great that, that's a great point. You know, up until Elf, that was the best, and I and I do still like it. That's a great point. Tell tell me some some of your favorite parts of that. Oh, I love the part, of course, the Christmas lights. Yes. I think that is absolutely <laughs> absolutely hilarious in, in that really movie. Is. And I I always think of the part too where he gets caught in the attic and can't yes. get out. And he's watching Christmas. <laughs> he's watching the Christmas movie. Yes, yes, yeah. And I, I felt like Clark Griswold today. I was outside. I put up. Oh my goodness! I put up. I think it was twelve hundred icicle light bulbs wow. on the front. Yeah, on the front of the house. And I do want to apologize to my neighbors in the neighborhood because they probably saw some things and heard some things that they probably should not have seen or heard. <laughs> and so I was putting up the light. So, 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 so you did? Did you have plumber pants going? <laughs> I did. Yeah, the HOA is probably going to vote us out of the neighborhood real soon. So, but I'll tell you what, those lights—they look really, really good. And I felt like I felt like Clark Griswold out there today trying to put those lights up. Absolutely. So, speaking about lights, you know, that's a fun, great point you bring up. That you know, now here, here's a thing for y'all. And this is a great segue for a whole bunch of stuff. Believe it or not, I don't. I I sell a break our savior's birth but i don't celebrate it related to december 25th so i don't you know me and my household we don't observe christmas however we kind of do stuff that's relative you know like like i do this christmas village i i got a train set and chris you know i build these mountains and i got these little pine trees and all that stuff so i don't really decorate the, the we don't do the tree thing but i have like a, a wintry scene village is what i should say and i do that nice. stuff and, and but i love going out and looking at the lights that other people do uh in celebration of, of christmas i i really like the lights so yeah that's i think you were going to talk about something about that weren't you with the lights glenn well yeah i, I actually have a story about that oh um, yeah go ahead when i was growing up that was the biggest thing that my dad my mom and sister and i would do is we'd load up in the car and we would travel around town looking at everybody i mean i think we went to every neighborhood i think people thought maybe we were stalking them or something like that because we would go and we'd look at every every light display on everybody's house and my dad he was extremely extremely ocd i mean okay. it would take him an entire day to put the lights on the christmas tree <laughs> yeah it had to be positioned correctly it had to be attached to the the tree limb just perfectly and yes. you want to talk about one of the harshest critics on christmas displays it was my dad <laughs> Glenn, really quick let me ask did you guys have the lights i mean you you and i are about the same age so you remember the days when they were those big bulb hot bulb lights on the trees right 
I remember those, yes. However, my mother was very particular. She did not like colored lights. Oh. No, they either had to be gold or white, and everything had to match. You would think that we were getting ready for better homes and gardens to show up. <laughs> it was that pictures. Wow. Yeah, ours was all it random. Was, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was that intense. I, I mean, the putting up the tree, you know, for many years we had an artificial tree because I, I have allergies. Okay. You know, I'm allergic to a lot of things, and okay. trees is one of them. Okay. But eventually we got to the point where we got, you know, we'd go get the real tree and throw it on the top of the roof of the car and sure. drive it home and, and put it up and do that. Sure. Dude, I love Elf. I love that. Yep. Uh, great movie. Uh, you know, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. And uh, I also like A Christmas Story. I've always liked right. that. <clears throat> always liked that movie. I grew to appreciate it. I, when watching it today, and it was random because of the the, the youngins running around. But uh, uh, it, I really, I was like, man, this is like like awesome. And because I never really got into it because I was younger and I didn't catch it when it came out, you know. But but I yeah. I revisited it and I it's a great story. It is. It's very reminiscent. Kind of relate to everything. Yeah, in it too, that's know? what I was thinking. I was like, totally. I I could remember mom, you know, mom being more festive and 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 patient, and dad being all stressed out and you know just all riled up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I remember one time we. Uh, so <laughs> this is great. Um, we used to get there's a uh, in in the Rome, New York area, uh, just north of Rome, near a ski center called Woods Valley Ski Center. Um, uh, it, uh, there's this, uh, Christmas tree place. It, it, it's very scenic and, and pretty, um, and, uh, in Westernville and, um, we used to get our trees there, but then, uh, when we moved uh, into the countryside, um, we used to get our own trees and, uh, I remember the first couple of years we got them across the road out in the woods. Uh, but then, um, this one year we went out to, uh, a couple miles away across from another location and uh, we just went out in the woods and my dad and uncle and, and my sister and I were out there and they they were cut down some a tall tree and just cut the tree down and then take the top off of that tree. Well, this okay. one th this one particular year, um, dad had a problem with the bow saw and he basically almost cut his thumb off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so so that was a that was a fun <laughs> a fun story, I guess. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah, not not so much fun for your dad. Yeah, wow. No, exactly. Oh my goodness. Exactly. Oh my goodness. You know, you were talking just a few minutes ago about things that you didn't quite comprehend, you yep. know, with certain Christmas songs and certain Christmas movies. You just yep. didn't get it until you really got older. Yes. And there's one particular Christmas song that I'd like to spin that I always was attracted to as a as a teenager or a tween, I guess, yes. 12 or 13. Yep. Uh, it's uh, It perplexed me. I liked it. And I found it kind of um, it unsettling until I understood what it was about and, and where it was going. And it's the I Believe in Father Christmas by Greg Lake from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, uh, and that's on the playlist. Can we go ahead and spin that? And I want to talk about that a little bit when, yep. we, when we get back from that. Yes. I love this song. Actually, and this is by Keith Emerson. Yes, it, uh, Greg Lake. Greg Lake. Oh, Greg, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yep. it, said, it said Keith Emerson on this one, so I just was. Oh, okay, is that the right one? Like we got the right it's one. It's the right one. Here. Yep, that's it. Yeah, let's. So you're going to talk about this one? I want to talk about this in some detail. Yeah. Okay, very good. Let's listen to it. Here we go, guys. I believe in Father Christmas.
They said there'll be snow at Christmas They said there'll be peace on earth But instead it just kept on raining A veil of tears for the virgin birth I remember one Christmas morning A winter's light and a distant choir The peal of a bell and that Christmas tree smell Eyes full of tinsel and fire They sold me a dream of Christmas They sold me a silent night They told me a fairy story Till I believed in the Israelite And I believed in Father Christmas I looked to the sky with excited eyes Then I woke with a yawn in the first light of dawn And I saw him through his disguise I wish you a great new year Our anguish, pain and sadness Leave your heart and let your love be clear They said there'd be snow at Christmas They said there'd be peace on earth Hallelujah, no hell, be heaven or hell The Christmas we get we deserve Yeah, what a classic. You know, that song here, there's so much texture to it, and it, it it makes you, it's that mystery and wonderment. You know what I mean? Talk to us, Glenn. Tell us about this. It one. is. Yeah, this one, I struggled with this song as a kid because, yep. yeah, at that time, God was drawing me. Yeah, yep. I was, as I said, I was not a believer, but I was always very cautious with, oh, there's something about God in here, and I don't know what he's talking about because when he sings about until he believed in the Israelite, of course he's talking about Jesus. Right. Um, and what's in this song is, you know, first he deals with the disillusionment of the commercialization of Christmas. And that's what this song was written about was it was an anti-commercialization of Christmas song. He was it was basically a protest to yes. that. So he's dis- disillusioned with the um, commercialization of Christmas. And then he is disillusioned with his belief in the true Father Christmas. Yes. Who is who is God. Yes. I always struggled with that. It's like I, I don't get this. I really don't. And then I actually yesterday, it wasn't until yesterday, it's okay. not like I'm some sort of genius in this. Yesterday I pulled up the original music video for it. Okay. 
He filmed the video in the Sinai Peninsula wow. and at the Qumran Caves where they found really? the Dead Sea Scrolls. Really? Yes. No kidding. Yes. I was like, oh, I was like, I get it. I get it. I think we've all we've all been there, you know, is yes. what, what do we believe? We all become disillusioned because this world is such a, a web of lies. Yeah, you know, we're yeah, disillusioned absolutely. by uh, by what we see commercially. And yes, even religion has disillusioned us and you and i have been victims of that yes in many ways and have been able to walk away from that and he did an interview a few um not too long ago and it was in mojo magazine and this is what he said in the interview because a lot of people took the song the way that i did that it was an anti-christian song or anti-religious right uh he said this he says i uh greg like said i find it appalling when people say it's politically incorrect to talk about christmas you've got to talk about the holiday season christmas is is a time of family warmth and love there was a feeling of uh, there's a feeling of forgiveness acceptance and i do believe in father christmas wow that's his that's his stance wow that's awesome you know that he filmed that at the at the place where they found the dead sea scrolls in his video i'm like Exactly. Oh, I was like, that's that's really deep. I that's mean, really cool. Well, right. He he. I, I mean, for him to go to that length to to do that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of budgeting for that and planning for that. So he really meant to make a statement and point in that. Oh, not just the budgeting, the logistics of the logistics. It. I mean, all of it. I've been there. Yeah, I've been to those caves, and it's not like you can just kind of roll in and hang out <laughs> with video you know? cameras and then doing a whole yeah. big video. Hey, we're going to bring shoot. in a film crew at about two. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yes. The other thing that I like about that song is, is actually the mixture of his original work with a classical or a romantic era piece by Prokofiev. Uh, the instrumental that you hear in the back is the Troika from the Lieutenant Kihei suite okay. uh, that you hear in there. And what's interesting about that is Sting also used a part of Lieutenant Kihei's suite in the song The Russians. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, so pretty cool. That's not the, you know, Sting kind of was, I guess, copying a little bit in a way. Right. He used a different piece of it, but, yeah, for some reason that song just keeps making it around. But I love Lieutenant Kihei's suite from the romantic era of composers. You know, I that, love romantic music. Right, right. That That's interesting. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of the um, – uh, I can remember seeing this back in the early 1990s. Remember the show Unsolved Mysteries? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I think they had a Christmas segment, and it, it was talking about, I guess it's a famous story, a, a true story apparently, um, when we, uh, you know, World War II and, and the Americans and Germans were were uh, in foxholes shooting at each other, but it was Christmas time, and um, I forgot what it was. They had like a ceasefire just for the night. Or whatever. Yes. And then one of the uh-huh. other guys from one of the foxholes started coming for through with his hands up, and then they I get the way the story went. The everybody came out of their foxholes and they 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 shared with each other, had some drinks, and and loved on each other for Christmas. And then the day after that, they started shooting again or whatever. Shooting but, again. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. Fascinating yep. stuff, though. You know, the stuff that 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 brings us together and where we need to stay in. You know what I mean? It's very funny that you bring that up because as I was putting this together, I was actually thinking about that. And I was like, ah. okay, this is kind of weird that I'm thinking about this because there was also a time in 1914 where that happened during World War One, too. Maybe it's the one they, I was thinking of, but go ahead. Is that the one? And it they actually be. played soccer for a while, too. That's the one I was mistaken on World yes. War Two, so it was World War One. yes. Yes. And, you know, that, that brings me to a song. Um, a lot of times during Christmas we forget about 
the the personal aspects of it, the personal relationships with it and everything like that. Yes. And a lot of times, a lot of believers get into this focus of, well, if it's not, you know, just focused on Christ or focused on God, then, you know, I'm not going to think about it. Right. But really, you know, the first commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, might, and strength. And then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And I think we forget that so so often we forget That's about right. the horizontal aspects of it. You're right. Great way to put it. The horizontal aspects. I love that. You're right. Yep. You're it's, right. it's the horizontal. And really, you know, that is when we show that love to others, when we show that care to others, and that really the Christmas season is a time to do that. And we saw that as you were talking about, yeah, it's crazy because I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about that as I was considering this song for the playlist. And I just, Send it to you. It should be up on your messenger okay. if you have it. Right, um, yeah. It's Merry Christmas, Darling, the cover of it, done by my friend Michelle. Yeah, this, this uh, probably for you, you know, in my household during the Christmas season, we'd always say, oh, you can tell Christmas is coming because you can hear Johnny Mathis again. Right, You right. know, Oh, Johnny Mathis. It's funny how different artists really just become synonymous with Christmas. And exactly. One of those artists that became synonymous with Christmas for me was Karen Carpenter oh, and yeah. her voice. Yeah. Now, and that's, I love that you said that because I used to not really, you know, it was too soft and too whatever when I was growing up, but now I love it because my mom passed away a few years ago and that Carpenter was her favorite. And, and, uh, I, I've been listening to it some more and I was like, wow, what a wonderful voice she had. It's mesmerizing. It's yes. very warm. It's very soothing, very calming, very yes. relaxing. Yes. And, you know, that's one of the things about the holiday season. There's a lot of Christmas songs that are not only dark, and we talked about that, but they're very calm, very relaxing. And really, the Christmas season uh, is a time to reflect. It's a time for some introspection, and it's a time to really start getting ready for the for the next year. But I really like this version of it because it was uh, this cover of it because done by a friend of mine from New York. Sure. Um, her, her name is Michelle Hotelling. She put this out, oh, I think it was like 2010. Um, and for me, every Christmas, I, I pull this song out and listen to it several times. And it's a great cover of Karen Carpenter's Merry Christmas, Darling. Now, what's interesting about this song is the Carpenters didn't write it. Really? Okay. Yeah, it was written by their choral director in college and their professor. Uh, it was a poem that he wrote in 1944 about a love interest that he had. Really? And, yeah, they actually went to him, and they were like, hey, do you have any ideas for holiday songs or Christmas songs? And he was getting kind of tired of the, you know, common fare of Christmas songs that they were singing, and he gave the words to uh, Richard and Karen. And Richard, I think, from what I understand, was able to put the melody together for it in like 15 minutes. Really? Yeah. Interesting. You know, these are things to think about. It's amazing how during the Christmas season, people act differently. Yes. Have you noticed that? Yes. How, how all of a sudden all those grudges that you have can just kind of go away. Right. Well, exactly. And it's something that, you know, you wish you could keep that. I mean, we should be that all the time, but it's we should be. right. But it's great that that Christmas time kind of helps, you know, kicks us back in the, the butt saying, hey, pick it up. And this is how you're supposed to be. So and, and explain this. This is a friend of yours. I can't remember. Yeah, what. actually, you know, it's, it's really interesting. She was the first concert that I ever put on in South Carolina. Really? 
Yeah, uh, we brought her down to do a uh, performance down here. She did this with her producer, Scott Slater. And Scott, I'll tell you what, you want to talk about an awesome, gifted dude. I I got to hang out with Scott when they came down, and he was just really just a friendly guy. Uh, Just one of those guys that you can hang out with all the time, you know, and just really talented and really, really gifted. And I found her music while I was working on another podcast project for the institution that I work for. And I was looking for music and I was like, Oh my, my goodness. And I was like, this is really good music because the girl can rock. I mean, she can. She's got good stuff. And I was like, uh, emailed her and I was like, Hey, I was like, can we use some of your, uh, some of your music from the podcast? I'm from, you know, the college that I'm at here in South Carolina. And, um, she had actually spent time when she was growing up in, in South Carolina on vacations and things like that. So it was a real easy, real easy connection. No so, awesome. Yeah. And you want to talk about a real genuine uh, person, very artistic, very gifted, very gifted musician, and wow. just a real down to earth, common sense person. Doesn't it, isn't it great when a musician is brilliant and has that demeanor? That's the best. Yeah, it is. It's it's yeah, it's a wonderful combination. You know, I'm a huge fan of uh, Eric Johnson, and that's how I feel about him. I think he's just a brilliant guitar player, but then he has a a pleasant attitude to bring his brilliance uh, together in in a great package. You know what I mean? Yeah. And before we spin this song, Rick, when she came, Mac the Metal Dog was like mm, less than a year old. Okay. He was a little pop. Okay. Okay. Yep. And he was riding in the van with her and decided to take a dump right in front of her feet in the van <laughs> on the way to the venue. That means he was comfortable and he liked her. <laughs> he was comfortable and he liked her. Yeah, so this was the first Mac the Metal Dog approved uh, I, I, artist. I, well, that's great. I'm glad that my wife liked me when I did that. <laughs> she knew that I liked her. <laughs> Let's go ahead and spin this song. I love it. Let's go. I can't wait to hear this. Here we go. Let's do it. Here we go. Greeting cards have all been sent. The Christmas rush is through. But I still have one wish to make. A special one for you. I'm 
Oh, yeah, Michelle Hotelling. That's the first time I heard that version. That was excellent, Glenn. I love that song. It's just got that smooth jazz yeah. feel to it, you know. Yeah. Makes me want to grab a warm cup of coffee and just yes. sit by the fireplace and kick back. And, yes. Yeah, it, it does. Tell me about your math teacher, Red. Uh, so, so, so my math teacher, so her name is Michelle Hotelling, and mm-hmm. I went to a local school, uh, country school. It's a three-way school, Vernon, Verona, Cheryl, uh, called VVS. And uh, when I was in ninth grade in math class, uh, my teacher's name was Mr. Hotelling. And uh, uh, what a cool guy he was. And um, uh, I really kind of, he helped me to uh, become a better math student. So I appreciate him. And uh, what a cool guy he was. So were you having flashbacks to algebra nightmares? I I, I, I was having flashbacks where I excelled because I wasn't that great in math, but I, you know, I was like a C student uh, and stuff. But um, that's the first year we started doing logic and I aced logic and I actually beat some of my other counterparts that were great in mathematics, but they didn't do so well in logic, but I did. And uh, that's where Uh I started. I was learning logic from him. Okay. Yep. Okay. And oh, it st- wow. still still t- wow. sticks to me this day, and I'm a very logical thinker. I, I seem to, uh, it works for me. <laughs> I wasn't good at math either. <laughs> you and I are so much alike. We're like brothers from another mother. I loved it, but I wasn't that great at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It took me a I while. Just- I just could never figure out how two letters could equal a number. It just yeah, did not make Yeah, sense. I used to be like, when are we going to all use this? But then after I got older, I understood that it, it, it was mind-expanding. It caused your, your brain to substitute things to work out a problem uh, So to, in your own mind to figure out the answer. So uh, I think yes. I, I think it, algebra and, and all that stuff is, is, you know, a lot of stuff we learn in school as far as the core dynamics, they were important. You know what I mean? We didn't think they were so yeah. in school, but they were important, you know? Very, very important. Very. Well, let's talk about some math. Yeah. Well, let's get into some math. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, there is there is a form of metal called math core. Yes, it is, too. Very yes, technical, very and, interesting. Yes, and something that's very close to it is one of my favorite forms of metal. I love how this just segues. Yeah. yeah this, is, this is really cool. That's right. Power metal. Yeah, power metal. Absolutely. I love power metal. And one of my favorite power metal bands is the band from Florida, mm-hmm. Camelot. Oh, yeah. Yep. And we talked about them a couple weeks ago yes. and how God actually moved on some of their members and they've become believers. Yes. And they actually did a power metal version of We Three Kings. Wow. Okay. Wow. And it is mind-blowing. And it should be on the playlist. I'd like to go ahead and spin that. And then when we get back, I want to talk about that version of the song and then i want to talk about some of the mysteries of christmas because this is a very mysterious i love it i love it absolutely and it's funny that you say that too because i i love the song now and i have for a few years now but when i was younger once again i didn't like that we it just sound it didn't sound joyful to me uh until the later verses and all that kind of stuff but um i really love the song and um uh, hold on a second glenn you still with us I am still Okay, here, I thought yes. my phone just flashed and I thought it accidentally hung up. But yeah, We Three Kings, man. What a great song. I can't wait to hear this version. And by the way, everybody, you're listening to Metal Sharpens Metal uh, on 88.1 Dodgeville, 90.9 Gloversville, and 105.7 FM in Rome, New York. And also live streaming, streaming WVVC Utica 
com. Shout out to uh, my buddies Gary Vaughn and his son Gary uh, down in New Jersey. Shout out to everybody that's listening in South Carolina. Got family down in Rome listening in, friends listening in, uh, people across the country. Uh, last I knew, uh, we have people uh, listening in from China and uh, in uh, Europe and stuff like that. That's so uh, awesome. Yeah. So uh, shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, reach out to Glenn. Glenn, how can they people reach out to you right now? Sure, they can reach out to me. I have my messenger up on Facebook. They can look me up on Facebook. It's an open account. It's Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, Remsen, R-E-M-S-E-N. Or they can message me through Lithoscry. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y on Facebook. Or if they want to shoot me an email, I can. I also have access to that. I'll tell you what, it looks like Barnes & Noble like barfed all over my desk here. I've got <laughs> com- computer stuff, notes, books, coffee mugs. I mean, it's just like... Well, I sent you the picture. You can take a look at the picture of what it looks like in here. I'm on the other side of the studio that you don't see during the live stream yes, over yes, here. Yes, yes, <laughs> Where all the madness, the madness takes place. Yes. Uh, but yeah, um, they can email me at lithoscry at gmail.com. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. Yeah, guys, reach out to Glenn right now. Let us know how we're doing. Share some Christmas stories. Share some music. Share some yeah, stuff Yeah, we want to hear from you who are listening uh, out there. Rick and I have been... Uh, Man, hard to believe we're in the second hour already. This is going I know. fast. It's it's flying by. It's crazy. Well, you know, the hope is uh, you're going to be on again before Christmas on this. Too. Oh yes, because I've got more. I had more Christmas music sent to me just a few days ago. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, we got we got a lot to talk about, a lot to spin. Right now, let's do "We Three Kings" by the band Camelot. By Camelot. Yeah, I can't wait to hear this. Let's do it. Here we go.
Yeah, how about that, Glenn? Wow. Yeah. Camelot. That, that, my boys from Camelot. Yeah, I met them about three years ago up in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, no and, kidding. Uh, really solid guys. And I'll tell you what, the the percussion that they have yes. is just unreal. And you can, you can actually hear it in that, um, in that song. Um, especially one of the things that really stood out to me was the cymbals. Yes. When you listen to that, it's really emphasized. And that took me to Psalm 150, where it says, praise him with the cymbals, the sound of cymbals. Yes. And the sound of high sounding cymbals. Yes. And, uh, how that's a, that sounds like a pretty metal Psalm to me, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, I could see King David doing stuff like that, man. Oh, absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. Oh, oh, my stars! King David would do heavy music like that, probably. That's yeah. right, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, come on, he ripped off his clothes and, and danced around in the face. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and Leanne Dunkel, who's listening right now. Yeah, Leanne. Up during, yeah, Leanne. Hey, hey. Leanne, Rex and the family. Yes, thanks for tuning in. Uh, she mentioned, you know, it probably wasn't Kenny G when he was dancing around with the head of Goliath either. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, King David was like a rebel in a good way. He was. He was. I mean, he just think of all the things that he did. I mean, king, shepherd, yep, musician, yep, warrior. Yep. I mean, just all of those things. He was, he was what you would consider today to be a Renaissance man. Yeah, right on. Absolutely. Yeah, multiple, multiple giftings, and you know, he he was free. Um, yeah, she says, move over Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Yes, Thomas Youngblood and those guys. They're gonna actually. You know, it'd be really interesting to see what Beethoven's reaction would be if they went to, let's say, a Camelot concert or a Nightwish concert or right. something like that because a lot of that what we were just listening to the style of Camelot really kind of borders more yeah it's power metal but it's really kind of more in the neoclassical yep. genre that's very classically oriented and uh, it'd be very interesting to see um, how they would how they would react to that yes yes it, it would be absolutely and I, I think that a lot of the uh, the, the, the the guys that the modern music that has you know taken from that I would think that the uh, classic folks would uh, uh, the original artists would appreciate some of the the ways people have been innovative in in that, that style Yep. Hey, and we got Christopher Shelton. He's tuned Yo, in for Chris. Last Trump in Northern. Hey, Chris, and I yeah. bet you Tiffany's not too far Yo, behind Tiff. either. <laughs> yes. Happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas, guys. And uh, Christopher says August Burns Red has some awesome Christmas stuff. We're doing another one of these in a couple weeks, so we're gonna we'll, we'll spin some of that August. Yeah, Burns definitely Red. August Burns Red. We got a lot to spin. Totally, totally. Thanks for that, but Chris. I, I wanted to dive into, and you and I were talking about this as I was driving, I think, to the gym the other day okay. um, to get to get ready for my Thanksgiving feast. Uh, yes. To go burn <laughs> yeah. a few calories. We were, we were talking about the actual birth date of Jesus. Yes. Now, we celebrated on <clears throat> December 25th, which is, you know, I, I am not convinced that that is the actual date of the nativity. I agree. And Rick, you were sharing with me some of the things that led you to believe that it's some other time. Yes. And can you share those, and then I'll share with what I've researched and what I've dug up. Yeah, so when I was probably 19, 20 years old, I was sitting at like a Midas muffler place. Think about that Midas. It wasn't Midas like a a mythological god or something like that. I forgot. So I'm sitting there getting some muffler work done or whatever, and... um, 
I saw, and you know, I don't, uh, uh, how can I say this? I don't, uh, subscribe to, uh, Jehovah's witness, uh, uh, line of thinking. However, um, I did see a magazine that they had called the Watchtower magazine when I was sitting there waiting for my vehicle to get done. This was before cell phones. (laughs) And, uh, so I didn't have anything to do. And so, uh, I'm looking through the magazines and it was a Watchtower magazine and it was about Christmas. And I read the article and I couldn't refute it. They use scripture right on. And, and, you know, a lot of groups do use scripture, but then they go off on other stuff in other areas too. But this was a solid point. They had mentioned in the article that, um, you know, based on scripture to look at that and the, the scribes and, and when, when you research the whole thing, um, Messiah couldn't have been born uh in um um in the winter or in december because their general speaking was that the shepherds weren't in the fields during that time and they have a relatively similar climate to to us uh in north america northern north america you know what i mean um i think they're about i think the equator or whatever that that area bethlehem and all that lines up with roughly virginia maybe i'm not sure or you know pennsylvania style i'm not sure uh but anyway same kind of weathery type stuff going on and so the shepherds weren't out in the fields at that time um but anyways years and that always stuck with me and then over the course of time i i studied and and read scripture and and learned and stuff like that um and then about two years ago i was in prayer and and um and this wasn't anything that i studied learned or whatever um you know directly uh but i had like a a holy spirit download on this um Uh what came to my mind was that and here's the logic thinking um uh, which mathematically logic i excelled at <laughs> um thank you mr hotel yeah thank you mr hotel <laughs> absolutely and um and, and so what went on was i thought that or what came to my mind was it is generally understood and accepted by the scribes and and the 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 what do you call it the um I forgot the people that, how come I can't think of it all of a sudden right now? The scholars, um, scholars. That, that, that our savior, uh, was approximately 33 and a half years old when he was crucified. Uh, so we all know that he was crucified, uh, around Passover, which is always in the springtime, uh, some in, in roughly in the month of March to the Roman, Roman Greco calendar anyway. So, uh, so what we modern day call the month of March. Um, and so that's the springtime. Well, if you count six months from then till then <laughs> is it, he would have been 34 years old in the fall time. And so that meant that uh, he didn't reach his 34th birthday, which would have been in the fall time. And then I had another revelation uh, a year or two later than that. And uh, for me, in my household, we observe the uh, feasts, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. We observe those things. Um, And um, what a great example. He was he is our tab- tabernacle. He is our booth. Yes. He is our temp. Like we, we have this temporary shell that we're living in. And that's, you know, we're, we're commanded to build a booth, a, a tent, a place to stay outside and dwell in for seven or eight days um, and, and all that kind of stuff in, 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 the, in, in the word. And then the point is that um, he is our tab- tabernacle. So the, all that stuff is a foreshadowing of the things that 
to come and, and, and that came, and that is our Savior who came as the tabernacle, as the dwelling place for us until we get our new bodies, our resurrected bodies, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so so uh, that, that's been very significant for me and my family, and it's been a blessing. But I strongly believe that so, so the Feast of Tabernacles is typically uh, between September and October uh, yes. every year. So um, that's, I, I believe our Savior was born between September and October um uh, uh in that time but glenn you were telling me recently that uh you can you can pinpoint a date based on uh, uh studies and historians and i think scripture if i'm not mistaken yes. but uh, yes we can give an exact yeah. date of his birth yeah yeah exactly and i'd like to give a shout out to rochelle Wright, jensen Wright. yeah Thanks hey rochelle to us. yeah yes hey rochelle welcome yes. to the show tonight we have them on the show uh, uh her, her and her husband are um in a motorcycle ministry and uh they awesome. got a really great That's right yeah That's right i remember that yeah, yeah. they got a great yeah. ministry ministry and they were really great to have in the studio i appreciate those guys and shout out to you guys yeah Rick, uh, the logic that you learn from Mr. Hotelling is, is very good logic because when you take a look at it logically, okay, just just logically, yeah. the shepherds wouldn't be out in the field during the winter. That's right. Okay, that's right. The next thing too is that the Romans did not conduct censuses during the winter months because uh-huh. it was difficult for everybody to travel. Okay. Okay. They couldn't get the snowplows out. No, that's right. About that's the right. Snowplows. That's right. There was no open sleigh. That's for sure. Yeah, no, not at all. It was very difficult for them to travel. Yes. So when I was in seminary, when I started the seminary in 1990, we're not going to say the exact date, but in the <laughs> 1990s, when I started my New Testament studies courses, I remember the professor saying, well, you know, we celebrate Christmas on December 25th, but it was probably in September. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. And he's like, based upon, you know, astronomy. Uh-huh. All right. Yep. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And I really didn't think much about it. I was like, okay, it makes sense. Shepherds couldn't be out in the field. Got it. You know, and I didn't think about it much. And really in thinking about it, um, there's a Bible scholar that I had the privilege of interviewing, oh, back in June, Dr. Michael Heiser, um, just really opened my eyes to a lot of things in Scripture. Now, I don't agree with everything that he says. It's not like, oh, I just, you know, everything that he says is is solid truth. There's some things I disagree with, but this is one thing that I do agree on is he agrees that, um, Jesus was born in September. Okay. And it's based upon the feasts. Yes. Just like you were saying, it's it's logical. Yes. And you asked me the other day, well, you know, do you have the stuff to back that up? And I, yes, I do. And I want to start by saying that the heavens declare the handiwork of God. Yes. We can see the, the gospel story in the constellations. Now, the, yes. the paganism has perverted that. The New Age has perverted that yes. to distort that. But everything that exists, just like heavy metal, has been yep. perverted to distort what it's really intended for. Yes. So you can find in Scripture what the constellations and the way they were aligned in Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Now, I want to preface this by saying that when we read the book of Revelation, John was picked up in the Spirit. When he saw all of these things, he was outside of time. Yes. Okay. So when he's watching all of this stuff, he's actually, from what I gathered, looking at three concurrent streams, past, present, and future, all at the same time. Yes. Because time is a human construct. It's it's for us. It's what how we relate to things, but not how things move in the spirit realm. So you go to Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, and it says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, 
Yes. And the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and uh, pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon the heads. And his, um, his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to do, be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And then when we read a little bit down further, it's like, okay, yes, this is talking about Jesus. Yes. All right. It, it makes it very clear. Yes. So um, I've watched Dr. Michael Heiser teach this with the uh, astronomical software yes. program. Yes. Outlining this all out. So Virgo, the constellation Virgo, represents the Virgin. Okay. All right. Clothed with the sun, this means that the sun was in the center of the constellation Virgo at the time. Okay. All right. The moon also had to be perfectly aligned under the constellation Virgo. Mm -hmm. All right. Yep. So you have this conjunction of Virgo with the sun and the moon. Now, in addition to that, you had a conjunction of another constellation, Leo, the lion, yes. above the head of Virgo. Of course, Jesus was born of the tribe of Judah, or, Judah yep. represented by the lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes. So in addition to this conjunction, we also have Jupiter in the middle of Leo, and Jupiter in ancient astronomy is referred to as the king star. Okay. And it's because it's the largest, okay. all right? And it has its own star, Regulus, which is the star of the king or Jupiter's star. So we have all of these things um, aligned together, and the alignment of Jupiter with Regulus was always the sign in the ancient world of a royal birth. Okay. So you had to have all—we joke around about the stars being aligned properly for yes. things. Yes, Okay. Well, this sign was given in the heavens yep. where all of these constellations, all of these stars were put together. And scientifically, this has been proven in many planetariums in both the United States and in Britain that this happened for only 80 minutes at one time in the course of human history. Wow. Wow. And they traced the date back to 3 B.C., the exact date of Jesus' birth being September 11th, 3 B.C. Wow. Wow. Phenomenal. When everything was aligned. Phenomenal. Yes. Wow. And and look what the enemy has done to uh, manipulate 9-11. We, we all look at 9-11 as, oh, you know, this is the this terrorist act and all that kind of stuff. But they never talk about that truth uh, with, yeah. with the alignment of stars and all that kind of stuff, do they? No, they they don't, and you you have to dig for it. And there's been plenty of writings been done on this that were even written before nine eleven. And even when I was in seminary, they kind of guessed the date was what September fourteenth. That's what they thought it was. Okay. But the software has gotten better, and science science proves this is scientifically proven. This is not, and you can take a look at it. Uh, you can go to YouTube, find Dr. Michael Heiser, September eleventh, birthday of Jesus. Wow. And, okay. and it's in there. And I totally agree with this. And it also lines up with the reign of King Herod. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, Flavius Josephus, the famous Roman historian, uh, wrote about the reign of Herod, kind of got some of the dates wrong with that. And they've been able to prove that now based upon pulling up the coins of uh, Herod, which had his reign on it. So they've been able to, to adjust that accordingly. So it's really interesting how we've gotten closer and closer to 
you know, seeing Jesus again, that we're getting more and more information. We're, our eyes are being opened to more and more revelation. It's already in Scripture. None of this, none of this is new stuff at no, all. You a- know, it's, absolutely, it's all been there, but we 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 have lacked in our study. Uh, many of us, um, and you know, if if we we just study the Bible, things would become more clear. I, you know, I hear from people all the time. Well you know, they know a little bit about scripture or, or vague amounts and they think that Christians are supposed to be a certain way or all that, but they don't know the rest of the scripture. <laughs> you know, no, we're supposed don't. to study and learn it and understand it. Exactly. So this brings me to my next point. Yeah, go when we it. were talking about this, you know, when we talk about Christmas, we talk about, you know, the magic of Christmas and really it's the spirit of Christmas. And I believe it's God's spirit that really moves upon people during this time of the year but there's a lot of mystery involved with christmas that's been eliminated it's been relegated to santa claus elves and uh reindeer with a red nose now all that stuff is fun i have fun with that stuff you know and it it is what it is you know it's cultural folklore it's nothing to get too too excited about right but when you take a look at the mystery of christmas going back to the three kings yes I want to talk about this a little bit because this gets really strange. Mm-hmm. I don't quite all understand it, but it's just the way that God works. So yeah. we go back to how did the three kings, who were they, and how did they get to Bethlehem? Yes. How, how, did, they, how did they find out about that? Yes. Well, the thing is, is that there was a wicked diviner in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers by the name of Balaam. Yes. Okay. And Balaam was hired by the king Balak to um, curse the nation of Israel, mm-hmm. but he couldn't do it. God stopped him in his tracks. He would go into a trance, and he would bless Israel. Now, I'm not recommending this as a way to get in touch with the Father. Um, <laughs> it's not. God was in spiritual override, okay? Uh-huh. Um, but basically what was happening is Balaam actually prophesied the coming of the Messiah. Yes that there would be a star rising that would conquer Moab, okay? And Balaam, he was a diviner, he was a wizard, he was an enchanter, he was all these things that God really hates, but he used for his own purposes for the Gentiles. Now, when we take a look at the Magi, when you read the King James Version, and this is why I have problems sometimes with King James, because it cleans things up, all right? The actual translation for the wise men in in the Greek is magus. Yes. Okay, M-A-G-U-S, which means wizard. So ah. these were guys that were trained in the magical arts. I guess they were like Harry Potter or something right, like that. Right, right. You know, yeah, yeah. But really kings, what they did at that time is they had these wise men that were trained in astronomy. They were trained in astrology. They were trained in the magical arts. They were trained in teaching. They were trained in medicine. They were trained in all of these things. Yep. And it was from the prophecy of Balaam that the Magi from Babylon or, you know, Persia, wherever it was that they were coming from, it's from that prophecy that they picked up that Christ the King, the Messiah, was to be born and to follow the star. That's how they wound up there. And I was thinking about it today because that word Magus, we find it again later in the book of Acts when we read of Simon Magus, the wicked sorcerer. Ah who got saved and then tried to buy his way into apostleship so that he could do right. more of his tricks and things like that. Right. So, you know, that's really part of the mystery of it because here we have in the Christmas story, wizards, sorcerers, and diviners yep. coming to Christ. Yep. But that's the way God works. Right. 
Right. It's beyond, it's way beyond our, um, the way that we conceive things. And that is really a lot of the, of the, what I would call the magic or the, um, spirit of Christmas, the wonderment, the, the mysteries of it. Absolutely. You know? Isn't that interesting? Because the, the, you know, the, the, prophets the the jewish prophets um knew that there was king but the people uh, you know the king was coming but the people didn't necessarily they were looking for visual literal signs but even like you said even these these wizards uh saw through their divination or whatever or their uh, version of astrology they they saw that something regardless was getting ready to come on exactly and you know back then astrology and astronomy were pretty much the same thing yep um, it, it, it's different now it's separated and, you know, horoscopes, you know, don't, don't touch that stuff. That is not, you know, right. not stuff to be played with, Right. but there was a true astronomy. They, they were scientists. They were the, the best they could be at right. that time with, right. with the knowledge that they had. And even if you go back the early church and you dig up stuff, there's been archeological digs of, you know, where the ancient church would need and ancient synagogues and there are zodiacs and everything like that. And it spells, basically spells out the gospel and the salvation of, of Israel and, yes. and mankind in, yeah. in the zodiac. So when you look at the stars, when we consider the stars, yes, they not that just God created them, but it tells the entire gospel story. And then with that dragon that was underneath, yep. um, that was the constellation of Scorpio. Yes. And uh, Scorpio and Libra were two, you know, they were considered one constellation at the time. Now they're two. Okay. And Libra was considered to be like the claws or the pincers of, okay. of Scorpio at that time. Interesting. Yeah, very fascinating. And there's a song, there's a new Christmas song that came out. I think it was two years ago, um, called Light of the World by Leia. Okay. Um, it's it's on the playlist. Okay, yep. And it really captures the wonderment of the wise men approaching Jesus, the light of the world, and us, and, and Jesus is the light of the world. And when this song and the album came out, it was from her album, Ancient Winter, I had the privilege of doing an actual review. I was selected to do a review for it. And uh, wow. got a really cool uh, merch bag from her. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, it was it was really cool. I was like, oh, I love this album and the music that was coming out of it. It's really deep. She's a believer. She's Excellent. up in Canada. Okay, independent musician. She doesn't tour. She's got five kids and homeschools all of her kids while she cranks out some awesome wow Celtic metal that is interesting, you know, faith based. Yeah, very interesting. And I want to talk after we listen to the song. I want to talk about the lineup that she's got on this. Uh, song because it's very very interesting but this song is just absolutely it puts the wonderment and the mystery back into christmas wow before we get to that i want to ask a question glenn see if you know it sure. or aware of it and uh, you know even when we listen to we three kings and we weren't sure where they were all from at least in that original hymn doesn't it say we three kings from orientar is it orientar or orient are Orient R. Yeah. Yes. So so we three can so does does it say that they're from the the Oriental regions? Does is that probably suggested? Persia, probably Persia, Babylonian gotcha. region. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Now they were not trying to smoke a rubber cigar. Right. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> exactly. Hey, listen, I got a question too. So did they now was it true that they actually did bring gifts? I mean, even, yes. even, even with them being, so, so they, you know, them being wizards or wizardry or whatever, all that stuff, they still did believe that there was a grand king, the king of kings coming. Did they believe that was the king of kings? Yes, they did. Yep. They brought the gold frankincense. Those were the first Gentiles 
to put their faith in Christ. Wow, wow, that's amazing. That that's interesting point there. For them to travel that far with expensive gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, you want to talk about an act of worship? And they came to. I worship. guess you're right. Wow. And even when Herod asked them, "Well, where is this king?" They denied it, and they went a different so, direction. So, so that isn't Herod that isn't that something? Isn't that something that the 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 Pharisees were like, "Well, what could." good could come out of Bethlehem. You know what I mean? So they, they totally, they were all religious, yet you had these wizards <laughs> saying, hey, man, the king is king, and we're going. They were the, they were the first first worshipers of Messiah. Yes. And that makes sense, too, uh, to, you know, in, in a sense of, you know, Israel being, you know, saved or in, in the apple of our father's eye, so to say. Um, but the, you know, you know, and he came not to save the saved, but the unsaved. So, correct. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, so even even the Jewish culture, they might not have believed the signs, but they believed that the king was coming. They just didn't know the signs. But the first worshippers were the Gentiles. Yes, <laughs> that's that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, they they were. It, it, it goes to a point that we've talked about often is that you know when you have people that like the like the magi or, or the the wizards or the sorcerers and things like that, they have a very strong gifting spiritually yep just naturally that's the way that god built them that's the right. dna right great point and they're going to vacillate between different frequencies spiritually you know yes. they'll pick up and, and we've talked about this with a lot of the uh, metal that we've discussed and talked about it's like how can this person who's not even a believer produce this song that's about grace so abundantly right. and god's love and it's like how did this happen right right um, and, you know, I was listening to a guy, I'm not going to mention the name, it just drives me nuts when I hear this, you know, he's ranting on about how there's no way God could use a wicked person ever to preach his gospel or do anything for the kingdom. Huh. Well, sir, I'm sorry you have not read your Bible. Uh, right. We need to go back to Balaam, and we need to go back to the the Magi, who they were. Nice. Um, and again, you know, the King James, it cleans it up. It's like they were wise men. Yes, they were wise men, but they were Magus. They were Magi. They yes. were Magi. Magi. Uh-huh. Interesting. Wow. Yep. So once again, let's lead us off with Light of the World. Tell us really quick again, Light of the World. Yes, Light of the World by Leia from her uh, album Ancient Winter. She is the Celtic metal queen, but this album is anything but metal. It is it is Christmas to the max, putting the mystery back into Christmas. Awesome. Here we go. Let's spin it.
Yeah, you know, I loved the um, the percussive and the Middle Eastern sound to that. Wow. It added the mystery, right? It, it took the Western right out of uh, Christmas, didn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. It brought, you know, I felt like I was heading to Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one of the things that I really appreciate about that song is it helps us remember that when we celebrate Christmas, we're not celebrating a European western holiday it's a middle eastern that, event absolutely it is you great point there and and look look what what you know how our culture has brought it to this that, that once again twisted it all up to what it really is twisted it made it kind of a in a lot of ways kind of a boring western holiday yeah, yeah exactly even though we've had fun in it <laughs> uh, even though, yeah well you know we've been having a blast in it because we know what it's you know we, we get it you know right, and, exactly yeah you know, we, we understand it and there's just so much to this song there's a couple things that i want to talk about with it is first of all uh as we were listening to it, you were mentioning the violin work in it yes and 
the violinist in this is a very accomplished violinist. Her name is Shiram Yinon. Okay. Um, she is Israeli. Wow. Uh, she was trained at the Jerusalem Academy of Music and Dance. Wow. She is the daughter of, um, he passed away several years ago, but the daughter of the internationally renowned conductor, orchestra conductor, Israel Yinon. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. He, Yes, yes, he uh, was guest conductor for the Royal Philharmonic, yes. uh, the Vienna Symphony. Yeah, very, very accomplished conductor, and she has served as the violinist. She did it for about two years for the Celtic folk metal band that I absolutely love, Elvete. Okay, wow, wow. Yeah, absolutely wonderful, very accomplished musician. Now, also, you had the pipes in there. Yes, and this gets very interesting because it goes back to one of the first songs that we listened to. The the pipe player in this song is Troy Donnelly, and he has been the pipe player forever for the band Nightwish, where Tarya wow. came from. Wow. So what I would ask all of our listeners to do is pray for Troy. Okay. Pray for um, Sharon. Pay, pray for Nightwish. Pray for the rest of Camelot. Yes. These are your next generation of prophets. Wow. Wow. Great point. They're the next generation. And God, you know, the church has ignored them for way too long. Yep. Has, you know, maligned them, rumors about them, you know, all the musics of the devil. But no, that's where your prophets are. And they are very in tune. <clears throat> with the spiritual world, yes. um, again, they get it on all different frequencies, but those are your prophets. Yes. So, now, speaking of the prophetic, that's something that I find very interesting about this song that she does, because she's she's singing about the, the story of the nations and the kings coming to the light of the world. And then she just transitions into, I am the light of the world. I am the one foretold. Right. And you've probably experienced this because you've been to prophetic meetings and prophetic worship services where somebody will be talking and all of a sudden it just switches. Yep. And you know it's God just speaking right through them. You know, they're not being blasphemous, but all of a sudden it just does that. And she just launches right there into the prophetic. Yep. And there's another song on the album, and maybe during the next edition we'll play it. It's called Upon Your Destiny. Okay. And it starts out with her singing in this beautiful, beautiful language. Okay. And while we were in the process of doing the reviews for this, I was, you know, with a couple other people got to do reviews as well. And somebody asked, what is that language that you're singing? And she's a, she said, it's a very ancient and mysterious yes. language. Yes. So she was singing in the spirit at the beginning of the song. I'm like, oh, I am so wow. excited about this album that came out. I I love everything on this on this album that she put out. Absolutely. Plus, Go the ahead. merch pack was all aw- the merch pack I got was awesome. Yes. You know, if, <laughs> and I often say that too, vocally, but even even guitar instrumentation can be a form of speaking in tongues. Um, yes. You know, there's there's a presentation of melody uh, um um and and people it's almost like it's coded only those with ears to hear understand it and know what it's yes. being said you know what i mean yeah yeah i'm very excited about some of the new projects she's working on because i keep tabs on what she's what she's doing up there she's in canada and of course with the lockdowns and everything canada has been horrible yeah it's a shame 
Um, and she did a song called Sanctuary, and it talks about um, how we've chosen to live in this hell and give away our freedoms. Right. For and that we're actually living in a, in a hellish sanctuary. And she's just coming out with a new T-shirt line that uh, says tyranny sucks. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So she's she's right there. Right I mean, on. She's right there with everything. Very gifted musician. And Let's see um, if we can get her on, on the show sometime. I would love to. I would love to get her on. Um, I, I think that's something that we might be able to arrange in the future. Let's do that. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I love the depth of what let's, you're speaking to me. Let's do that. I mean, she's just a wonderful – she's got five kids and homeschools them all. Puts out <laughs> Reminds me of the Dunkles. Yes, yes, yes. It's the Dunkles. <laughs> going to be – you know, there was a Partridge family and all that. We ought to have one called the Dunkles, like a modern – like hip, the Dunkles. <laughs> Are, are you going to be like Reuben on, on the Partridge family? Uh, yeah. I, I'm just in amazement. I I would be like I'd be like that like wild like tour manager or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, got Reuben. Yeah, this break. We need to get the Dunkles a bus. The Dunkles. If anybody doesn't know the Dunkles, they are the band undefeated, and uh, they, what a great uh, music uh, team they are, uh, and the whole organization of their group, uh, even the management, all of it. The, it's a it's a very well put together uh, product of some young folks uh, under twenty years old. Hey, I understand you got a Steve Vai Christmas song over there. Can you pull that up? Gee, you know, yeah, I do, and um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I gotta you, you caught me off guard on that one. Let me pull that up quick. So yeah, this is um, uh, and it's funny because I've never liked this song uh, for a Christmas song. It's he he does a version of Christmas Time Is Here, okay. um, but I like the way he plays it. Um, and, uh, off this particular album, it's called Mary Axmas. It was 1997. So Steve, I, uh, compiled other famous artists to do their renditions of songs. We have, uh, Kenny Wayne Shepard did, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, Eric Johnson did the first Noel. Uh, Jeff Beck did an awesome version of Amazing Grace. Maybe we'll finish that off tonight with Amazing Grace by Jeff Beck. Oh, that'd be uh, great. Yeah. And then, uh, Jingle Bells by the Brian Setzer Orchestra. Um, uh, and then Silent Night by Joe Satriani, really cool version of Silent Night. Um, by the way, Meredith Dunkel of Undefeated, one of her, her favorite Christmas song is Silent Night. So I gotta maybe play that later, maybe if we have time, Silent Night by Joe Satriani. And then Steve Morse did, uh, Joy to the World. Uh, Joe Perry, uh, from Aerosmith did Blue Christmas. Uh, the drummer boy from Alex Lifeson of Rush. And uh, really? yeah, it's really, I, I like that version. Um, and then Richie Sambora from, uh, uh, Bon Jovi did, uh, um, Oh Holy Night and, um, a Japanese guitarist, uh, uh, named Hoti, um, did a version of, um, War is Over, uh, that John uh-huh. Lennon, uh, song. I need an excellent rendition of that. But anyways, that's off of that album. So you want to hear some Steve Vai? Yeah, let's play some Stevie. Let's play some Stevie Vi. Christmas time is here. Let's do it. Here we go.
Jazz with Rick and Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. And you're listening to a whole bunch of other craziness too. Uh let's let's finish this show up and, and we'll be right back on after the song to uh adios the night. And uh this one is Jeff Beck doing Amazing Grace. And I really like this. Um I really like Jeff Beck's raw playing. He's he, he's another guy that plays the feel, the heart um of things and uh it's instrumental but i like how he has the 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 choir in it too uh so it's a really special rendition of amazing grace here we go amazing grace by jeff beck Thank you. 
Yeah, what an epic sound, man. It just made me feel I just totally relaxed on that. Perfect way to end the evening. Absolutely. Just on time and on cue. Glenn. I know. I just saw the clock turn to 11. Yeah, right, right, right on cue. Listen, this has been a wonderful show. I thank you for spending time with us tonight. Uh, three hours, man. I mean, that's a long stretch. We're older guys now. I don't know how we pulled this off. <laughs> that was a Christmas music mayhem marathon. It was, man. It was. And listen, I, I know you probably burnt from the night, and me too. But uh, hopefully, we can get into some more stuff uh, in, yes. in, in in the within so another show. Uh, I don't know if you want to do three hours. I, listen, I'll do three hours if you're up for it. But I'd like to do some kind of show between now and Christmas time this year. You and Absolutely. I. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to roll out some of the stuff that you've done. Yeah, I'll a lot of explaining to do on those. <laughs> yeah, but I got some other things that I want to spin to and, and talk about some 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 of the traditional classic uh, Christmas songs and all that, and 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 relay some information on that too, and, and we can talk about things, even even some of the songs that we don't like. <laughs> Yes, yes, like uh, pretty paper, pretty ribbons, last yeah. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. There's some that's just like doesn't doesn't roll for me. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, Glenn, thanks so much for spending time with us. Um, uh, Glenn, do you have any uh, podcast going this uh, this uh, December? Yes, we do. Um, I have a podcast coming up this Tuesday night, uh, this Thursday night. I, I don't even know what day it is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this Thursday night, and we've talked a lot about family, and I've got the Spradley family coming on. Okay. 
with us. They were on the Extreme Tour. I met them on the Extreme Tour this year. Oh, great. The entire family is involved with the music project. And then we're going to take a little bit of a break. And then we're going to be returning in January, okay. around January 13th. And I'm very excited with who we're going to have on. We have Marshall T uh, Marshall Terrell. Wow. He's an author, and he wrote the book, The Jesus, Mu uh, the Jesus Music, that goes with the movie documentary that just came out. Uh, tracing the history of contemporary Christian music. Oh, really? Okay, interesting. Yes, and he did. He wrote the book with uh, Greg Laurie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm very excited about that interview coming up. That's gonna be an January. excellent interview. Yeah. No it's doubt. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. Wow, gonna be a wow. great time. Uh, so we we got some things brewing for your podcast for the next year as well. You got some ideas, plans, you things are developing for you for the show. Yeah. It's uh, interesting how it's percolating. There's some guests that we have lined up that I can't disclose yet sure. that are gonna blow your mind. Awesome. And we're working on a few more. It's really awesome to see how God is just taking us from one level to the next. Yes, yes, Glenn. Let's let's do a pitch for your book because I think your book is phenomenal. Oh, you um, know what? That would make another great stocking stuff. It would well. be. Thanks, thanks, Rick. I agree. That listen, I'll let you explain that really quick, uh, Glenn. Uh, guys, this this book that Glenn wrote is an excellent stocking stuffer gift. Whatever it it's something that's the the, the book is well. Glenn wrote this book and it's uh, it gives a little bit of his life story, but also uh, tying. Uh, metal music and how important it is in in our christian faith and um and he goes through historic history and all it's jam-packed with a lot of it's a great read a great book how many pages is it glenn and and give us all about the information. 100 and about 125 128 pages yes. i think somewhere between there there's a few blank pages in there um <laughs> and there are pictures in it too so, yeah, I mean, yeah. Your, son, your, your son yes. does our, our artistic work in it Yes, my son Sam did the artwork for the inside of the book, um, yes. the illustrations that are in it. It's called Stones That Cry, yes. God's Precious Metal. You can get it on Amazon.com. Uh, yes. uh, it's published on Amazon. Just type in Glenn Remsen, G-L-E-N-N-R-E-M-S-E-N, -E -E Stones That Cry. It'll come out, and it's got a cool cover with a raven on the front, shock. Uh, with stones underneath his claws. Yes, yeah, it's a great book. I read it, and it's it's phenomenal. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a must read for any Christians. Period. And then, especially if you are not sure about how metal music, if it's acceptable or not, in, in, you know, in in our walk, uh, just it's it's a it's a great read for anybody, even if you're not a Christian. It's just a great read. It, really great. Well done, Glenn. I really appreciate your book. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, get it, get it for your friends, get it for your family. Yes. Um, you know, people that have read it, um, a lot of people that have read it have said to me it's a, it's an easy read and it's just you know very straightforward. And you know, I'm coming from the perspective I used to be the guy that used to preach against heavy metal music right. and rock music and contemporary Christian music. Right. Um, so it's not like hey, I came with an agenda. Right. I'm just sharing what God showed to me and my experience and what it's done for me in my life yes i love it i love it and glenn um if you can if, if anybody wants to reach out to glenn over these next days tonight in these days if you get want to share some christmas stories or what you guys think of this program tonight get a hold of glenn and then we'll talk about it next time on a, the next show we do before christmas glenn can you give your contact information again absolutely yes you can email me directly at lithoscry that's l-i-t-h-o-s-c-r-y at gmail.com. 
Yes, awesome. Glenn, thanks so much, my brother. Uh, you are a grand blessing. I appreciate you very much. Love you, brother. And, uh, Love you too, Rick. Yeah, man. And let, let's, let's, let's talk some more. Get some shit eye. Have a little bit of, uh, you know, cinnamon rolls tomorrow morning when you get up and, uh, get ready. There we go. There we go. Yes. Bye, yes. man. Merry Christmas, everybody. Good night. Blessings, bro. We'll see you. Bye, bye. All right, guys. That was a great interview, man. Glenn is always just a, a phenomenal guest. Uh, you know, just the, the the context and richness of what he uh, shares with us. Uh, we're gonna have him on again. Uh, I'm gonna also have my sister come on the show uh, sometime between now and Christmas time, and we're gonna talk some Christmas stuff and fun. And also, a great buddy of mine, best friend growing up. Uh, Eric Cesari from the band EV, uh, he's going to join us and he's, him and I always been a Christmas fans and music. I mean, you know, my buddy Eric Cesari, he's, he's a really cool guy and really, uh, he looks like a, uh, crazy motorcycle man. You know what I mean? That didn't even make sense the way I said it. that didn't sound too cool, but anyways, he's a really cool guy and, uh, he's, he's really down to earth, but fun and wild. And, um, uh, has some great uh, stories of Christmas and uh, a great taste in music, anywhere from classical stuff to metal, you know what I mean? So um really looking forward to having him on the show sometime between now and December as well. But uh, yeah, listen, it's it's late. I've had enough. I am tired. Uh, thank you guys all who have uh, shouted out and listened tonight. And uh, stay tuned for another show. Uh, we are... <laughs> metal sharpens metal um and uh the, the radio station is wvvcutica.com uh and on the fm dial 88.1 dodgeville 90.9 gloversville and 105.7 fm rome new york all right guys peace and blessings to you guys shalom <laughs>